This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt begins a conversation about the means by which Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Matt Grimm, back here with Thad Keenel and the Planted Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. I uh, told you earlier that I was on a roof of yeah. a building and the rain uh, kind of dodged around me, so that was good. But uh, I'm a little bit sore from stretching over the ladder, <laughs> <laughs> so there's my day job for you. Right, yeah, so uh, helping out with... Uh, Work and daily life of of uh, businesses and keeping their systems up and running and you know we uh, we have all kind of systems in our world today and and we have the system of our own spiritual health and well being as well. You know it's really interesting that you say that because I think it's parallel to how we approach our lives sometimes and uh, of course this was not meant to be part of the discussion but when I arrived on the job the contractor that I met with. Um, was taking me through the system. The unit's every bit of 45, 50 years old, and there's no wiring diagram. And so he's saying, I'm I'm working on this part of the burner, and I I can't get at the fire. And I said, well, where's your wiring diagram? He says, I don't have one. I said, you got to give me 20 minutes, and I'm going to remap this whole thing. So I uh, started from scratch in the very beginning, you know, Terminal one, and just started working my way through, and just got it on a kind of a general plan, so I would knew how the equipment was going to flow in in the sequence of operation. Right. And uh, lo and behold, uh, after I got done doing that, now I could determine where the first point of missing uh, on the electrical was, like it's missing a switch or something like that. Yeah. It was at point three, and he was when he first was talking to me about his problem, he was at. Position number 33. Yeah. So, you know, 30 steps away, he was trying to solve a problem that took place all the right. way in the beginning. And I think that's, it's kind of relative that what we, what we do sometimes in our own little life, right? right. We, we try to work on a problem instead of going back to the foundations. And, yeah. and this topic that we've been talking about for the last several episodes of our spiritual formation, I believe hits that wheelhouse. Right. You you have to go back. You can't just go to the end and try to, analyze this from a perspective without having a a practical lifestyle to go along with it. Right. And, and, you know, there are within that, there are systems that God by his, in his sovereign providential will, and also um, plan mapped things out for us. And there are things that even the church over centuries have always done in response to what God's done for us to help with that. And it's interesting, I grew up in a tradition, at least from about the age 10 on, that was a little bit more, very much what we call maybe lower liturgy, or kind of rebelled against more formality or written prayers, and everything kind of had to be much more spontaneous. And it was basically, we sing some songs, we hear the word preached, and and we, you know, we get someone out and go on. Right. But, which in, in one sense is is part of what we're going to talk about today, but the... But I think there are, is something about our Western American individualism, even, that we tend to shy away sometimes from history and tradition. And, and, and some of those things, you know, when they were established, were well thought out and put in place, you know. And, and we kind of, we think we can operate without, you know, the, the uh, map, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, one of those things that we're going to be looking at today to help us with that is the Westminster Confession, uh, the Westminster Standards, which includes the, the Confession and the Larger Catechism and the Shorter Catechism, where, you know, back in, you know, the uh, late 15, early 1600s, these the Westminster divines, these Westminster pastors, you know, sat down and thought about the system of doctrine and faith that they held to and did an excellent job. Is it? It's not perfect by any means, but did an excellent job of laying that out. And I think today we neglect sometimes going back and getting out that diagram. You right. Know? Absolutely. <laughs> it really, it really does yeah. help. Uh, and 
you know, when you have a, I guess the word is, you know, a honest and a really meaningful search for the truth amongst a, a congregant of people, right? Yeah. Which this was, this was, you know, the divines was a, a bunch of different pastors and scholars in the, in the Bible doing one thing, and that's trying to work out the truth of God and what it says. It really, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel, you know? Right. So we can go and say, but well, let me try to figure out what this says. And it is good to learn on your own, but you, you can go and weigh those things against what those who have gone before right. you. And that's what the book of uh, Hebrews tells us to do is to stand on the shoulders of giants that yeah. have the faith that have gone before. Right, right. And so um, so that's what we're going to do today. We've been talking about spiritual formation. We've we've been looking throughout the scriptures to, to like uh, focusing on what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ and uh, looking at how Jesus himself and the gospel himself are, the, are what we're pursuing, but what does that look like in terms of the Word of God? We've been talking a lot about the Word of God, which is one of the means of grace. We'll we'll talk about it again briefly today, but the the idea being, what did that look like in the Old Testament? What does it look like in the New Testament? How um, how do we see that all along the way God was really trying to deal with the heart, right? That He's concerned about our heart, but there, but in doing so, in, in the hearing and responding with the heart, it does show itself in in these kind of we make we can make confessions and pledges of allegiance, but that needs to show itself in a in a life that does is changed, which means which looks like obedience, and that obedience is not works unto salvation; it is the fruit of salvation. It's what we do in response to what we have. We don't merit anything before God. Christ has done that all, but because we've trusted in that, when we do put our faith and trust and rest in Him, we do then participate in the life of the body. And so one of the things we'll be talking about is how has God, um, what has God ordained within the life of the body and the community that we can do to participate in that help apply that, the benefits of that salvation uh, to our life. And it's something that the, the reformers use these terms, the means of grace or the ordinary outward workings of the church. And so I'm going to start with... Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter 25, um, article 3, when in, in chapter 25 is on the church. What is the nature of the church? And in, in the article 3, it says, um, unto the Catholic visible church. What it means by Catholic there is worldwide. Catholic just means worldwide. Worldwide, universal, yeah. yep. And so, uh, so we could say under the worldwide or universal visible church. Now, we've talked about the visible church before on the podcast, maybe not in this season, but by the visible church, we mean all those who are outwardly professing a faith in Christ. Um, those who have been baptized into the church, who've stood before the church and said this. That doesn't mean that every person who's done that in the visible church is truly saved, right? right? And so if you want to hear more on that, go back to our season <laughs> on the Reformed faith. But right. the point is that... In this visible church and what outwardly professing church, Christ has given the ministry oracles and ordinances of God. Okay, so that's all the life and activity of the church there. And we're going to talk about those ordinances, these ordinary means of grace are or would be considered these ordinances, which we're going to look at. It says he's given them, Christ has given them to the church for the gathering and perfecting of the saints. So the gathering is when we assemble. That's just what the church is, the assembly. So as we gather, it's given for us. These are the things we should do. Okay, so what should we do when we gather? This is going to tell us. But it's also then for the perfecting. And when that perfecting, it's what we've been talking about, that ongoing transforming to become more and more like Christ. Uh, so, so for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the world. So this is what we should always do when we gather for the purpose of becoming more and more per perfect. Um, not in, in human flesh alone, but in, in, in the new man we've talked about. You know, so we're being perfected as being conformed to the image of Christ. And so this is what we do in this life to the end of the world and does by his own presence and spirit. So God, as we talked about, that this isn't just a human endeavor, it's a Christ-centered endeavor, right? And we need the spirit. So he does by his own presence and spirit, according to his promise, to make them effectual thereunto. And so the effectiveness of these means of grace isn't just in our doing of them, it's in the promise that God, by His Spirit, is going to be applying them to us as we do them. Sure. Right? And so that's what, 
that's we start out with a confession. That's what the church is is to be about. And so when we look more, we're going to start looking. And I think we're just going to jump to the shorter catechism because it's a little more brief and clear. Or to look about how this unfolds within that. So um, as we go there, any just thoughts or comments on that in terms of what the confession says about the role of the church in administering these? I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear. Um, the idea that we are not trying to strive in our own strength and power to be like Christ, but that he is making that effective through his spirit in our lives, just as we had been born again, not by anything that we had done, but by the miracle of the power of the spirit in our hearts to change our hearts. Right. We couldn't just as a leopard can't change its spots, you know, there's a right. scripture scriptural definition of that. Um, and, and so with that, it goes back again to now, um, I, I just so love the word covenant that living in that relationship, it's not about our perfection in that relationship, but the understanding of uh, what Christ has done for us and the response in in love and in action. You can't love somebody, right, just by emotion alone. Right. If, I, if I only told my wife that I loved her but didn't demonstrate it in anything that I had done for her— to, to show that love, right? Then that then that profession is worthless. Exactly. So I think it's the same thing with Christ. It's a it's a love relationship yeah. as a covenant. Exactly. Yeah. So so now what I want to do is as we think about this is is like okay what the the confession in the larger catechism and goes into this more detail. I want to go to the shorter catechism, which is a little more brief and I would say more beneficial for our podcast format, mm, sure. <laughs> right? That question 85 asks, what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? Now, basically what he's saying is, what's our response to the fact that we know we're sinful um, and we know that there's a gospel given to us in Jesus Christ, there's a grace given, what, what's our response to this? And the answer is, he says, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? And so we we can talk about that. We we talk about this all the time. I mean, just this is the God, this is um what all the scriptures lead to. As and so um so then he says, requires of faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life. And uh, with the diligent use of all the outward means by whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. And so um, there before we had the oracles and ordinances and, and things mentioned, and, and now it's talking about outward means. We used in the last week and then in the introduction this week, the means of grace. And so that's kind of what we talk about. These outward means are the, this means of grace. Um, and so by means of grace, what are the outward ways the ordinary ways God uses to communicate, or we could use the word as the larger catechism uses, mediate the grace to us, which is actually the language of Hebrews. We've brought up the book of Hebrews that Christ is the, the our, our great high priest. He's the one who mediates between God and men. Um, he's the one who um, uh, brings us back into this covenant relationship. There's a mediator of the new covenant, and he is Jesus. Right. right? And it's through that through faith in him, repentance unto life, and the diligent use of these outward means. So I want to read this quotation from Louis Burkhoff in his Systematic Theology when he talks about the beans of grace, because I think it says something interesting here. He says, while the Spirit can and does, in some respects, operate immediately on the soul of the sinner, he has seen fit to bind himself largely to the use of of certain means in the communication of divine grace. And so what's interesting here is that we we know and we believe that the work of regeneration, we go back to our season three on Reformed Theology, we talk about that more, is the Spirit. Without the work of the Spirit to regenerate us, to make us born again, we the effectual calling of God upon the individual is doesn't operate. Right? The, the, right, it's regeneration is that first work of God, and then then He calls us and brings us into the, uh, and we we have faith and repentance unto life and all those uh, those subsequent things that were justified, adopted, and sanctified and everything. But without the work of the Spirit to make us new, that doesn't happen. 
Okay, And so we know, and he says, while the Spirit can and does operate immediately on the soul, God still chooses the ordinary means to do by which he uses is these um, means of grace. And so he uses the preaching of the word. He uses the sacraments. He uses prayer, which we'll look at these coming up, as the means to communicate as the Spirit is doing that work. Um, Now, do we? Do I know of people? I've heard testimonies where God appeared to them in a dream and just you know did it immediately. They're thinking about little like the Apostle Paul on the road to uh, Damascus, right? Yeah. I mean, God does do that, but ordinarily He uses these means of grace um, in cooperation with the Spirit. I mean, really, and the Spirit's doing that, but He's He He uses these ordinary means. So, what are they? And so that becomes really the next question. Now, I'm gonna. The next questions in the shorter catechism ask, "What is faith in Jesus Christ?" Because that's the that's the first part of the answer to eighty five. The second part is, "What is repentance unto life?" The next part, and then he gets into the the means of grace. Well, for our purposes, um, I'm not going to look at question eighty six and eighty seven. Um, we've talked about it plenty uh, on our podcast. I'm going to jump right to these ordinary means, which is question eighty eight. Unless you want to raise any issue with those other two. No, I don't think so. I okay. think, like you said, we've we've covered a lot of that. Right. Uh, maybe just to reiterate the position that you made on uh, the means of grace, and you and you mentioned this, and that it is a miracle for anybody, and this is this is God's own doing by His Spirit in our hearts to to change our hearts to open it up and to free them. Right. But the response. Is still very much our right. our own response, right? So this is basically where we establish first cause, second secondary yeah. cause, right? Right. And just as uh, the gospel goes forth to many, um, the spirit is active in, in the changing of the heart. The Lord still commands that secondary means, or not the secondary means, but the means of the yeah. preaching of the gospel. For yeah, it to happen. Co- and, and so our, yeah, that's right. Our, and I say all the time, our second cause is important. Uh, the, the decision I made is a real decision made by Matt Grimm, but it's the new Matt Grimm yeah. um, empowered by the Spirit to be able to do that. So I just will, I'm just going to get, give the answers to 86 and 87 because I think that it highlights that. So um, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Question 86 of the Shorter Catechism. Answer, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. So who is receiving and resting? I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? But it's 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 by God's grace. And then what question 87, what is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of true sense of his sin, who has a true sense of his sin? I do. You do. Um and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ does, with grief and hatred upon his sin, turn from it to God, with full purpose of an endeavor after new obedience. So we see how obedience shows itself out, and this is by grace that God is doing this. And so then question 88 is, what are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption? So what do we, just those words, when you think of outward and ordinary what comes to mind? What do you think the divines are trying to communicate even by asking the question? Well, some sounds like uh, something that you practice, a practical means. Yeah. And it's something visible, something we, we see. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's outward, it's and it's being done as we look back to the confession in the visible church. Right. And this is stuff that we see and participate in. It's sometimes what other pe- what some people would call religion, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why Christianity get jumps gets lumped in with all other religions, because there are things we do when we gather, rites and rituals and practices. Now, we don't trust in the practices. We trust in the one who gave them to us. We trust in what they're communicating. Right. Right. So it's not the things themselves. They are things we do, and they're outward and visible, but they are, it's what they communicate that's important. It's not just in the doing of them. Right. And so, so it's faith in what they're revealing to us and what they're communicating to us. And they're ordinary in the sense that while God is supernaturally doing these things, they are ordinary things. They're not, there's not something like extra mystical about them, even though there is this supernatural presence that is making them effective. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So 
in that sense, then what's the question? What are they? It says the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all of which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. So there are these three things, the word, the sacraments, and prayer. Now we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit here, but before that, let's, let's, it's, it communicates us the benefits of redemption. So when you think of benefits of redemption, what do you think of? I think of the blessings that we receive as believers. So once we've been redeemed, right. that is saved, uh, there are benefits, things that are good right. that take place in our lives because of what God allows right. us in our communication with him yeah. and, our, and our outward actions. Exactly. And, and so that redemption is that we are redeemed from the bondage of sin, and, and we are also, we know we're saved one day from, from the full and final judgment of sin. We'll go through a time of judgment. We, we don't have to, we're not going to have to suffer the consequences yeah. of those things. But we have, but there are benefits right now. It's not just, it's not just when I get to heaven, you know, and I think that's important that the, as we participate in these ordinances, in these um, means of grace, that we see them in that light of their benefit to us now. And what we're saying here in this, of season on spiritual formation, that they're actually helping our growth right now, that we are progressing and being transformed day by day, week by week, year by year. And so participation in these things becomes very important then as we see that. Um, and, and so, and then it says, which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. Now, someone could read that and say, oh, unless I'm participating in this, I'm not getting my salvation. It says, for salvation. So when we think about made effectual to the elect for salvation, what is that? Um, what do you think of? Well, I think of something that you brought up uh, in the podcast or two previous in regard to salvation. And there is those three stages of, of salvation that we talk about, justification, mm -hmm. sanctification, and glorification, yeah. right? And the justification is when we have been saved, when our hearts have been transformed by Christ, we are we are saved, right? Yeah. In a very real sense, we're not going to, we, we have attained heaven because of his mercies on us, and we'll never be really any more saved from condemnation at that point, but- right. Then it says that we are being saved, and that is our, our spiritual growth as we go through this life, right? Still by the power of his spirit. And, and then finally, our final salvation is when we can throw off the weights of this world altogether mm -hmm. and we're glorified with him right, right. In, our, in our eternal state. So those are the three that I'm, that I'm seeing. Is that kind of where you were going? or? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I believe so, and I, I think especially as we lean into that right now, you know, element of that as we're doing in the spiritual formation time. But yeah, exactly it that 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 is being applied, it's being made effectual, and so it should have an effect on us as we consider what it means that there's I, there's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus, that and that and as I as it's effectual as the Spirit applies that truth in me and, and helps me understand, you know what that means for me on a daily basis, that God is committed to conforming me to the image of his son, and that one day he's going to complete that work, right? And so it makes me, it actually makes me think of Ephesians, the Paul's prayer in Ephesians um, uh, chapter 3, where he, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, start, this is verse 14, then now, and 15, and now 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So that prayer to, to grow in this knowledge of his love, to be filled with the fullness, it's being made effectual by the Spirit. Right, and so it's the spirit in us who's doing this. But how does he do that? How do I 
gain more understanding of Christ's love. Well, part of that is as I meditate on his word and, and think about his word. And then it's also, we'll talk about the sacrament. How do the sacraments, as they preach the gospel through sign and symbol, how does that help my growth in Christ? As I participate that in an initiatory rite, in coming into the faith and baptism, but then on an, in an ongoing rite in the Lord's Supper, that that happens. And then, and then in, with, in prayer, how, you know, as, as, I, as I pray, how does, how does that help? In, in just the growing that would, in Paul even praying something like that. And you can even go back to the prayer in Ephesians, and he says in Ephesians 1 as well, when he says um, that he, he doesn't cease to give thanks and praise for them. Verse 17, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened and to the hope to which he's called us and so forth. And so in those prayers, there's this understanding that in order to be if these things to be effective in us, God has to do this ongoing, continuing work of enlightening us. Right. right. So let me um, just periscope back a little bit in in the big picture. Uh, let's just talk about a hypothetical situation where we have a person who is, um, let's just say, they're presented with the gospel message and they believe that they recognize the fact that they're a sinner and that there is no salvation except for the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and they believe on his name, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the profession of faith to believe in your heart, to repent of your sins. Those are what we would say saves a person by the power of this, through this power of the spirit. Yeah. Right yeah. now that person says, I got that taken care of. And then goes and pretty much doesn't ever deny that, but doesn't, plug into a community of believers, doesn't uh, study the word of God, and also the other um, ordinances that we were talking about here just now, the sacraments and everything, doesn't participate in that. We are basically saying that it probably sounds like a false confession because you can't be both one that has... Uh, a fiduciary relationship with your savior <laughs> and then doesn't follow what he is requesting of you to do. Right. You know, in the very least you're, you're not going to have any of the benefits that are being spoken of here. Right. These are, these are the benefits, right. But the, the growth that you want, why wouldn't you want to be closer with Christ? Why wouldn't you want to know more about him? And why wouldn't you want to be in a community of believers that can edify each other, right? Yeah, yeah but then, but that person, I've seen the church; they're just full of hypocrites. Right. So we, we, uh, we don't really take that excuse around here, do we? No, and when we, and when we think about even the questions we ask people in membership, uh, we ask them profession of faith uh, questions about you know believing in Jesus and who they trust alone for salvation, but then we also ask them. Do they commit themselves to come under the authority of the government of the church and to be and to participate in the life and body of the church and to participate in the growth of of others? Right. Even when we when we baptize people, we ask the, we ask the, the rest of the church to be committed to helping them in their ongoing growth and nurture. Um, and so there is this mutuality to the, that is there that uh, is is part of that obligation. Now the obligation again is not merit. Obligation has no merit, but obligation is is the our side of the covenant that helps us see are we doing this? You know, so it's you know, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but it came to mind. Let's say you read this great article in Car and Driver magazine and on some new car, and you're like, man, I believe that's a great car. And you go out and you buy the car. And you drive it home and you park it in your garage, and then you never drive it again. Have you really bought an, a new car and with all of its benefits? Yeah, no. You know? it, 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 and I think that's in some sense what people are doing. They're just, right. you know, you can, well, I'm just parking my faith in my garage, and I'm just letting it sit there until it accumulates its value and maybe one day, you know, no, you want to drive that car, right? right? right. You, you know, maybe it's so, maybe, you know, like, well, I... You know, I only drive it when it's sunny outside or something, you know, because you want to protect it or whatever. You know, I, I, the, the, the analogy breaks down at some point. But the point is, is if you're going to go do that and you really believe in that car and you want to in, you want to enjoy it, you want to drive it, you know, uh, it shouldn't just sit in the garage. Right. You know, 
and, and that's the that's that's what this is talking about here. And so, how do we drive the car? Now, we have a lot of things we do in the life of the church here. But you know, another part of that analogy is if you don't get in that car and use it, it's not going to take you to its final destination. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's something about keeping the oil changed. And the you know, if, if you right. switch the car, then you, you never you know. Eventually, you know, I'm not a car person, but I'm sure if a car sits there for ten years and is never driven, that the you know the the hoses and the the lubricant and the oh, yeah. it was just going to rot away. Right. It's not going to be, yeah. you know, it stagnates and all. It, it all. was made to be used, <laughs> right, right. And so in the in the body of, of believers, same same thing, right? right? We want right. to, you know, you mentioned this about religion, and people sometimes get their backs up about the word religion, but we're only talking about false religion, right? There is a true religion that yes. we're that we're called to, right. and it's not that we're being. You know, attain anything through our religious acts, but that is the relationship that God has called us right. to, and that is that is a purified form of religion. Yeah, and, and it's religion that's based on faith, not on merit. Right. Right. So we don't do the acts in order for God to be pleased with us. We we do them in response and to experience and the benefits of that of His gracious initiative, which is sending His Son to die for our sins, be raised again, and who's right now sinning at the right hand of God on the throne, interceding for us. Mm. Do you want to experience that intercession? He's saying, continue to participate in these things. And so, uh, so there, and there, there are really three simple things here. Now, those things can take on various expressions, and there's multiple ways to be involved in that. But, but to boil it down, one is, is part of your life and participation within the community needs to be the Word of God. And so how is that experience? One is through the reading of the Word, and then also the preaching of the Word. And, and with the preaching, I think you could also include then the, the teaching, the exposition the, you know, of, of the Word of God. Sure. And so, um, so we do that. So what do we do on Sunday mornings? Well, it, it's kind of become it, it really over history, especially within the Reformed faith, ever since the Reformation, one of the things that distinguishes kind of the Reformed Church or the Protestant Church even from the Catholic or even, like we would say, the Orthodox Church, is the center of the service is really the Word of God. The majority of the service in most Protestant churches is the teaching and preaching of the Word. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we could ask ourselves, should it be that way? There, I know there's some people at times that can be critical of that and say, we put too much emphasis on that. Um, but there's a reason for that. Because even the other things we do, because the means of grace, the other means of grace, the sacraments themselves are the are the um, we're going to see the signs and symbol of the gospel, but but it's good to explain what's happening there, and and there's so much of the scriptures that are not necessarily centered on they're 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 helping lead us to what the sacraments signify, right? For sure, you know? yep. and then prayer itself um, that prayer that's not centered on the Word of God or the will of God, because we're always a, to pray according to God's will, uh, uh, pray in the name of Jesus, which is a way of saying, you know, praying. It, it, how do we know what that is? Well, the best way to know what that is is what he's revealed to us in the Word, right? So, yeah. so I think there's a reason we spend so much time with the Word. Now, can we at times maybe overemphasize that to the detriment of some other things? You know, we could be accused of that, but the point is, is there's a reason, and part of it is the that our um, what we have here in the confession is that it is um, it is one of the big three here, and it it really informs in a lot of ways the other two. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does, right? right? Yeah. And so, uh, so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because if you want, I encourage you to go back and listen to season one, <laughs> which is on the word and, and and why we really what our podcast is founded upon being rooted in um, the scriptures planted by streams of water and the people who are planted by streams of water are people who meditate on His law day and night from Psalm one. And so, so um, I, I want to move on to the sacraments. Because I think there will be some misunderstanding in that, in, in the sacraments, and right. also how are these a means of grace? Uh, but before I jump to that, I do want to say one more thing about 
the word. And it's not just when we gather on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings or whatever, but but even when we get when we encourage our small groups that get together, or when we have our Sunday school classes together, uh, whenever the whenever we gather together, um, I encourage all of our groups to spend time in the Word. That if we're now there are times we may just gather for a fellowship meal now and then, you know, um, we have some groups that just gather to pray. But for the most part, if you want to like here at our church, if you want to be in a small group or you want to be a class, we're gonna have a we're gonna have time in in the Word because we believe it's so beneficial to our spiritual growth. And so, and even if it's just the reading of the Word, I think we mentioned this back in our Colossians study, when we were talking about just getting into Bible study, and we, we talked through the book of Colossians, but one of the things we talked about is just, is just that reading or listening to, getting out your Bible app and, and letting it read it to you. Right. There's something good about that on a personal level, but also even in, in when we gather together. To have that time in the Word, and it doesn't—you don't always have to just have it preached or taught. You can just have it read um, as well as a good thing to do. For sure, yep. yeah. So, so now let's get to the sacraments. Um, how are the sacraments a means of grace? Uh, so, when we now first, we just ask, what are the what are the sacraments that we hold to within the church? Uh, we hold to two sacraments that are mm-hmm. both given by Christ, and one is the um, the Lord's Supper, and then the other is baptism. Right, right. So um, in question 91 of the Shorter Catechism, it asks, how do the sacraments become effectual means of salvation? Um, and so it answers in this way. It says, the sacraments become effectual means of salvation, not from any virtue in them— or in him that does administer them, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of his Spirit in them that f- by faith receive them. So the sacrament itself is, is nothing, but it becomes sacred because of what Christ is doing in, the, in those things that he's right. called us to. And the work of the Spirit. So again, as we've been talking about through this whole series of spiritual formation, and unless God's doing that work in the heart— it's the heart response, and so it's the recognition that the Spirit is applying Christ to the heart and mind as we are receiving them, okay? So I've had people come to me and say they, they want to be rebaptized because they were baptized by um, a preacher or a priest or somebody who they don't even think was a believer in Christ. And so they think somehow it, it, was, it wasn't effective because they found out that the pastor who, who baptized them later left the faith right. or doesn't believe in Jesus alone for salvation. And so um, how does, so we can see why the, the Westminster Divines were where they did, because I'm sure they, the same thing. Well, I was baptized. So now they're in a, I mean, a Reformed or Presbyterian church, and they're like, but I was baptized in the Catholic church. That doesn't count. I need to be re-baptized. Right. <laughs> or I, in, in something else. And then they're saying no. It, it, that doesn't matter. The question is, is what do we, um, how is the Spirit of God working in us in them? And so how, so it, it then becomes applied to us when we see others being baptized. You know, God is working in that in us in the, in the same way as we, witness, as we become witnesses of the sacraments sure. too. So, um, but then even as we partake in like ongoing in the, in the, uh, in the Lord's Supper. So then question 92 is what is a sacrament? A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ. So when it says this, and that's why we, we see here that you know Christ himself was, was baptized. He identified with us in his baptism, um, even though he didn't need removal of sin, right? But he identified with us as a, a way to institute this, what we should do. And then also he instituted the Lord's Supper. So wherein it says, by sensible signs— Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. So, as we think about some of these phrases here, sensible signs, um, I think it's more than just intellectual sense that it's talking about here, but it's even in the senses. That one of the things in terms of the, the signs is that we, you know, when, we're, when you're baptized, you feel it. Right, you experience it in your senses. When we eat and consume the Lord's Supper, it, it's it's sensible in that sense. But it also makes sense. You know? <laughs> it does make sense. You know? yeah. But it says they are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. Uh, and so uh, I think represented, we, we understand the, the symbolic nature there. This word sealed, though, 
I think that might be what do what do you think it means when it talks about being sealed? What is that? When I think of something sealed, you know, I think of uh, you kind of get is that your stamp of approval? Does it mean that there's a guarantee that comes with it? Well, you know, what is what do we think it means by being sealed? Well, if I'm looking at this correctly, when I think of sealed, I do apply that to the same characteristic of what happens to us by the power of the Holy Spirit when we are sealed by his power as earnest as a guarantee of salvation. And so in this sense, uh, that's how I would first read that. So does that mean that um, since I've been baptized and since I've taken the Lord's Supper, I'm now guaranteed to have salvation because God sealed it? If indeed the Holy Spirit is is acting in that moment, then yes, I I think that's fair to say. Um, I might be missing a little bit of where you're trying to trick me up. So, <laughs> well, what I'm saying, I mean, could someone read this answer and say, "Oh, I've been baptized, and I've taken the Lord's Supper, so I'm good to go because I'm sealed. I, I've got the seal on me now because I did them." I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, you have to you have to read the whole sentence, right? Because it has to be applied to believers, and believers is speaking in a stricter, more strict sense of the invisible church. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we talked about the visible church, which is all those who profess. Right. But to where that um, is truly applied is to the invisible church, because there's we know that there's some you know that are in the visible church that that apostatize or they turn their back and go go right. their own way. So this is a this is a little bit of a, a mystery, but we can have a surety in and of ourselves how by when our spirit aligns with his spirit. Yes. And our surety is in the giver of the seal, not the seal itself. Right. And the seal is signifying what God has done. And we can't read question two and forget what we read in question 91. Right in question ninety two, we have this. We have this. But in question ninety one, it says, "How is it effectual?" It's only by the blessing of Christ and the working of the Spirit that we receive them by faith. Right, and so the faith is not necessarily in the sacrament; it's in what the sacrament signifies. And the seal is from God, and not in the doing, right, or the one who does it, but in receiving by faith. Right. Exactly. Right. right. And I think the thing that stands out in these two sacraments, uh, uh, they have everything to do with his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where we identify with him and we suffer with Christ in, in a spiritual sense too, right? Yeah. Where he goes to the cross and his body and blood, right. there's our first, or the second sacrament we're going to talk about right now. We're talking about baptism. But that baptism is in regard to, it says in the scriptures that we identify with him in our death and our resurrection, as we come out of the water, it's kind of symbolic of, right. of being raised from the dead with him. So it has everything to do with being identified with Christ, and that is only true if we truly believe. Yeah, and then with the Lord's Supper, too, the identification, but also the ongoing fellowship and communion and peace that and, we have. And the very real right. presence of Christ it, it, during that time exactly. that it speaks of. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll get to that. But but then question 93, we already answered just to, so we got into this, what is the sacrament is, what are they? It's the, it's the baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, so, but before we get there, it's interesting where it says, by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant that are represented, um, sealed and applied to believers. So that benefits of the new covenant which we talked about there, and you talked about justification, sanctification, glorification. But that benefit of the new covenant as well is that um, I'm reconciled to God and that the Spirit now lives in me, and I'm part of the heavenly sanctuary. Uh, And we have Christ interceding for us and the Spirit uniting us to him. And there is a sense in which we need to, I need to, hopefully you do this too, but uh, I need to consider my life as this process of, of the overlapping of heaven and earth within my life, that I'm living into this new reality, this new covenant, this new epic um, 
as, as, as well as relationship that has already started. And if it's already started, then I say, how do I participate in that? And what we're saying here is that if you're not in the Word and now in this and not regularly taking the sacraments, and this seems really foreign sometimes to us as Protestants to talk this way, but it's true. If we're not regularly participating in the in the sacraments in some way, uh, like in our church, we just do it once a month. But if you know, if you're away from church for a few months, you know, and like oh, I haven't really taken. I don't know if you've ever thought, oh, gosh, it's been for some people it may be five, six months since, the, or maybe sometimes they only take it once a year. Then, are we robbing ourselves of a benefit when we're not doing that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And and I I don't know that that we as as uh, at least me and some maybe even some of Trish and I grew up that we looked at it that way. You know, and I think in one of the things we we've started doing here at, at at Cornerstone is that we also have a Sunday evening service, which is uh, it's a it's maybe a little bit more informal in some ways, and it's and we have opportunities to discuss and reflect on the sermon, and whoever preaches goes in a little bit deeper, or another maybe goes into a tangent they decided not to go in their sermon from the teaching stuff. But we have worship, but we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday evening. As a way, as as kind of one of those benefits of this, and so um, if so, if you ever uh, miss, if you're if you're here local to Brighton and part of our church, and you ever miss, you know, the first Sunday of the month, and you're like, man, I, I come to one of our Sunday evening services, and you'd be able to take communion, because um, I I do think that there is, I, I I don't just think, I really believe more and more. Uh, that there's a spiritual benefit, a actual growth benefit, just like there's a benefit when I, if I'm taking time daily in the Word and and praying, then of that of participating in the Lord's Supper, right? For sure. Well, what the uh, Lord's Supper does for us is that it's very much a time of reflection, mm-hmm. right? Because we we go quiet, you know, and we are introspective of ourselves and we are called to remember yeah. what Christ has done. And that is the benefit of the new covenant that you were just talking about, because right. what Christ has done once and for all, uh, the old covenant didn't get the, the old covenant saints didn't get to experience that because yeah. there was never a sacrifice for sins that was forever effective right. the way Christ's death was. Right. And yeah. so we have this benefit of and I think that has to do with, you know, um, also the, the the sealing of the believer in that what Christ has done once for us in the, in the spirit, we are called to remember on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing, too, I, when we have baptisms in our service. You know, that's not something we have all the time, but it d- depends on, you know, the opportunity in some senses. But but I, there there's something special about the services where we have baptisms. And you know we get to hear testimonies of people, or when when the ch- parents present their children, you know, before the Lord to raise them in the faith and and to be part of the visible church in the covenant community, right? right. And there's when that when that grace is administered in that way, um, it's just you know there's a uh, often people go, oh, wasn't that great, you know? And so uh, I encourage what I, I get, the reason I bring this up, I encourage some people. I encourage myself um, to remember this because I, there were times when I would look at those things and say, oh, here we are doing our Christian rituals again, you know? And to me, they were just kind of this, I would view them just as, well, this is our form of religion, you know? And I didn't, I don't think I had a high enough regard for them, but through through the what was taught here and in thinking about it, that why does God institute and what does he want from them? That he is, they are a means of grace. And um, if, if they are, then if I, when someone's being baptized, if I enter into that and see and let that minister to me uh, and, and remember my own baptism, uh, and then the same thing with the Lord's Supper, whenever I take it, you know, it's not just, okay, it's time to confess my sin again and get right with God or, you mm-hmm. know, but no, it's actually... Entering into that communion, entering and letting God and believing that I'm going to grow here. So it's kind of like when you 
for those of you who maybe love to go work out, you do so because you you believe in the health benefits of them, you know, or you decide to you're eating a healthy diet or just to eat because I need energy that day, right? Do I really believe that as I do this, I'm getting spiritual growth and and um, power, you know, from this? And I I used to not look at it that way, and I think it's helpful for, to to realize that, and and by that I should want that, right? Right. Right. Yeah, and so and this really is spiritual formation, you know. Uh, and sometimes I, I think, well, I can say, I, I, I say, oh, oh, yeah, I'm reading God's word. Uh, that, that I need, to, I need more knowledge or or prayer, you know. But but you know, th- these means of grace are there. And so, why is that? Well, one of the things they're doing is they are preaching the gospel to us through these signs and symbols. Sure, they are. Um, right. yep. And and so. And, and as we meditate on that and, and ask the Spirit to do that work in us, we we're letting the Spirit work in that way. And so, um, so hopefully, you know, for uh, for some of you, you're going, yeah, Matt, I know that, <laughs> you know. But for others, maybe you were like me at one point, and you you just you you didn't revere them or honor them as much as as maybe you could. And I encourage you to do so. Yeah, you know, and I would like to say that if if you are one of those people that have that attitude that, you know, I, I've heard this before. I understand that. I don't need to hear this again. I got to tell you, as you were just talking about these things, I'm sitting here and it entices me just in this conversation to reflect on all the benefits that, Mm -hmm. that I received from going through my baptism and the reflection of watching others as they go through theirs in the Lord's supper. And you, you know, the whole preaching of the word of, of Christ, you know, the fact that Christ died on our, on, on the cross for our sins, I, I'll never get tired of hearing that. Right. I'll never get tired of hearing that. Yeah. You know, we say in, in a lot of our prayers, we thank you, you know, that you laid your life down for our sins and that your blood has effectually saved us and that your spirit has come to, to live with, within our hearts that we can now glorify you, you know, when our spirit's are in line with your spirit. We walk in the light. All all of those things that we say over and over again. In fact, every time I I hear those, it's not that I don't need to hear it again. I need to keep on hearing it. You know. So yes, we do need to continue to participate in them, and that's the encouragement that the 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 Westminster Catechism is is giving us here. And so. Just briefly, I'll go ahead and ask the question from the category, what is baptism? Baptism is a sacrament wherein the washing with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost does signify and seal our engrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. And so again, it's that initiatory right, that engagement to be the Lord's. I love that that picture there. But uh it's, but also that engrafting into Christ that, that we are now incorporating in, we are incorporated into the into the body and identified with Him, and so uh, so when we allow that to be brought back to mind as we see it in others too, that as you said that 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 participation becomes real. Um, I'm going to jump down then to question 96, what is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a sacrament wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to Christ's appointment, his death is showed forth. And the worthy receivers are, not after a corporeal and carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of his body and blood with all his benefits to the spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. So why do they word it this way? This is somewhat in response to... Um, other beliefs in like of uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, where it actually that it becomes the body and blood, right? The carnal and corporeal. It's talking about there is that we don't believe it is actually in in the carnal or, or corporeal way, in the physical way, becoming His body and blood, but it is um, truly His body and blood with its benefits in the spiritual sense. Correct. So spiritual, it it is offering spiritual nourishment and growth, and so in that sense. In the Reformed view, it is different from what we might say is the Anabaptist or Baptistic view that it is purely a um, sacrament of remembrance. And so we wouldn't say it's just remembrance, but it, it, there is actually the spiritual benefit that is happening in the taking of it. 
that is that is offering this growth and nourishment, this spiritual nourishment that we are truly partaking of. It's not turning into his body and blood through the transubstantiation, which I think is the Catholic view that in the prayer it actually turns into it, or in the Lutheran view of consubstantiation, uh, where it's like, with it becomes with like in your body in some we in some sense like mm-hmm. that but we but it is more this um but it is there is a real spiritual presence is the is the reformed terminology that there's a spiritual presence in the taking of them uh and so it's not just a pure um remembrance but we would say there is this spiritual benefit that is actually taking place in the participation of correct. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so I think I wanted to bring that up because I think we see that. And if that's, if that is true and I believe it is, then, then that is helping me be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. You know, that this, that this is a, um, a, a spiritual formation issue to be regular in our participation in the sacraments and to be a part of a body. And that's why being part of a body is so important. That that it's it's within that context that we do this together as we identify with with his people, you know. So to to be just a lone ranger Christian out there, well, I've got me and my Bible and I'm good. You're you're missing out um, on that, uh, and so we encourage you to participate in that way. And so then the final means of grace on prayer. I think we'll, I think what I'd like to do is at some point do an entire podcast just on prayer. I, I think that. It would be good to to do, but one, but one as to lead into that and to lead into our next podcast where we're going to have some guests join us and we're going to talk about worship, um, this uh, in, in in within the context of the body and 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 prayer is going to be a part of that. But even as we sing songs and part of this is going to be musical worship is how we use that in our spiritual formation when we gather together. Why do we also sing songs and do things like that? Well, uh-huh. the songs themselves are are centered on the Word of God, and the songs themselves are prayers themselves uh, often. And so, and if, and if your songs are ever not scriptural or prayerful, then maybe we shouldn't be singing. You know, we'll, we'll ask some <laughs> right. questions of our worship directors about that next week. But, but prayer, I think, is worthy of something that we talk about, because how do we that work in a corporate setting, but then how does that work in an individual setting? And I think that would be worthy of a podcast on its own. I, I agree, right, absolutely. So, so we'll get to that third answer to the means of grace and, and dedicate an entire podcast to that for spiritual formation. So any other final closing thoughts there, Thad? No, I appreciate you, know, you walking us through these very important um, aspects of our relationship with Christ and to remind us that he's calling us to participation. Yes. Right? Part part of being in a relationship, especially one who has saved us and we call our master, right? A loving master, yes. right? That um when he makes a request of us that we respond in a correct manner. And mm-hmm. and in the book of Hebrews, once again, you know, I keep going back there. Maybe it's because we're we're, we're pre- teaching it right now. <laughs> but it says to to not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Right. Right. So if you're not going to church, well, you're denying right. what, what the Lord has called us to do. Right? right. And so that's that's called disobedience. And if you're being disobedient, now you're living really in a sinful manner. Right. By just right by omission. Yeah. So yeah, and again, that's again. This isn't legalism we're talking no, about. Right. We're, talk, we're talking about experiencing the benefits of a relationship, and and uh, and it's also and it's expression of trust. Uh, if you know, if I go back to the car analogy, if I trust that this car can get me from point A to point B, but I never drive it, then then do I really trust it to get me there? You know, have I, do I really think it's going to run? You know, how do we know it runs? How do we, how do I show my faith that the car is going to run? I get in and drive it, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And if you're not, if you're not um, participating in these means of grace, if you're never opening up the word and reading it, if you're not listening to preaching, if you're not reading together with others and discussing with others the word of God, if you're not um, participating in the sacraments, then you're not really expressing that trust and faith in, in, in a way that God has revealed to us we should be. And so that's our encouragement to you. Uh, if you want to grow in your faith, become more and more like Christ, then participate in the life of, of the church who has been given the, the command to 
present the word and the sacraments and prayers. Mm-hmm. And then and then we can we, we can grow in our own understanding of uh, and um, benefits of that grace of Christ's life, death, and resurrection applied to our lives. Yeah, that's great. Good. So, all right. Well, come back next time. We're going to have some guests with us prayerfully and hopefully. I'm looking forward and, to that. Yeah, one. it'll be great. Okay. We'll see you next time. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss our spiritual growth as it pertains to worship. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.